Hello, and welcome again to the Shop Notes podcast. I'm Phil Huber, joined as always by Logan Whitmer and John Doyle. Today, we're going to check in with everyone to see about current projects that we have working on or projects that we've finished. We're also going to give an update on our latest episode of the Woodsmith Shop TV show. And then we'll also talk about the idea of experimentation and your ideal shop. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques, to furniture projects, to shop projects, you can find it all in Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right. Okay. So <laughs> I'll start today with what's okay. on my workbench, um, and it's a recent accomplishment, and I feel like uh, I've started a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. again, and then didn't really finish it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anybody can identify with that. Yeah, I've done that a few times. Yeah, I finish once. everything I start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like in a timely manner. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what it was is uh, this hand crank grinder, and it has a four-inch wheel, which is super cool because it's it's got a it's got a cuteness to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and I got it at a flea market thing that the local Des Moines Woodworkers mm-hmm. Woodworking Club had done a few years ago, and I've used it well enough, but it's one of those things where I like just taking a tool and fixing it up. Sure, yeah. Or adding my own touch to it or something. So I took it all apart, partially to clean out the gearing mm-hmm. on it and lubricate it so that it runs smoother, which it does. And then I, it had been used and neglected, so it had some rust and paint chipping and things like that. So I sprayed some uh, black spray paint on it and then made a, a tool rest for it out of some walnut, kind of along the lines of uh, a tool rest that I saw in a, one of James Krenoff's books. Mm-hmm. So that one has been my lunchtime project here in the office mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks now, even though altogether the amount of time that it would have required wasn't that much. It's yeah. just one of those things. So that's kind of nice. And then I still have this bookcase project that I want to do. And the problem with this bookcase is I had an idea for a design that I thought I really wanted to do and then did some measuring at home and it's not going to work. Hmm. So then I found a couple of too big, too long Mm -hmm. because the one that I was looking at was like 60 inches long, which, you know, when you're in the shop or even in our office, you measure 60 inches, that's not that big a deal. And then you go around your house and it's like, Hmm. where is five feet of wall space that this Hmm. thing is going to go? I'm just looking, I'm looking at the tiles on the floor right? to judge five foot. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. Good for you for measuring first though. (laughs) (laughs) Why have you had experience <laughs> yeah, with that, yeah, John? Yeah. Like on Christmas yeah. Eve, treehouse loft, right? Yep. So expecting eight foot ceilings, and then they're seven and a half feet. So it's like, right? And you're like six panic. inches. Like, what's that going to yeah, make not a difference? That big with? A deal. Right. Just cut a hole in the ceiling and yeah, stick it yeah. through. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, then I found a couple of other designs or designs that I think I want to adapt a little bit. Sure. So I, I kind of want it to be in a mid century style, but I'm, I don't know. Yeah. It, part of it is that I want to use up this plywood that I got from okay. Brian Nelson. Because like, as, as you're talking, I'm glancing behind you at the book trough right. that we yeah. just built. So we're working on uh, season 14 of the TV show, 
And for those of you who are listening on the on the YouTubes and watching, and you can actually see what we're talking mm-hmm. about. We have a, a book rack that we did just for episode two, and I think it's actually a pretty cool design. Not too big, has a nice look to it. So I was mm-hmm. doing some sketching to see how that would look maybe in plywood sure. or as a solid case piece instead of the yeah. the, the solid wood look that we have there. And yeah. I'm it's nice and airy and open. Yeah, but that doesn't translate the same for. Uh, for plywood. So right. I'm trying to think. Now I feel like I'm all kind of lost. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's frustrating. Take a step back, some yep. reflection, yeah. mm-hmm. some self discovery. You'll yeah. find your way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. None of that being that's, helpful. That's <laughs> all very motivating. Thank you for that. Yep. What do you got going on, John? Um, like you said, we are in full woodsmith shop um, uh, shooting mode again. So yeah. usually from the first of the year to June, we're shooting um, episodes of the Woodsmith Shop about uh, two episodes a month. So getting together a lot of props for that mm-hmm. and working on stuff for the magazine and kind of finished up some beginning of the year projects and working on readers tips and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So trying all to, that fun day job stuff. Yeah, trying to catch back up from yeah. from the holidays and. After the first of the year, mm-hmm. so nothing too uh, exciting, but yeah, you know, luckily these last two show projects we've done haven't been terribly large, mm-hmm. so they haven't required a bunch of props. You know, when we shoot our show, we we have we try to have props ready and in different stages of the process. That way, as we are uh, filming, we can mm-hmm. continue to kind of scoot along because we only have a set number of days to get a, a episode shot, right? Um, but these two projects, the, the bookcase and the last week we did the, um, the miter saw mm-hmm. station. station and that was all plywood. So that goes together pretty yeah. quick, you know, basically just show up with a few sheets of plywood and start cutting pieces yeah. and it's yeah. not too bad. And this one, you know, this, this bookcase took a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. there were some rails and tenons and stuff mm-hmm. to get done and, yeah. But nothing terribly crazy. What's what's episode three? I mean, without is that candles? It is centerpieces. Yeah, yeah so, so everybody's candle, gonna do yeah, their own candle centerpiece type thing. Yeah, like but. different candle holders and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that shouldn't be bad either. And then uh, we have, I think we have a tool maintenance episode. Right. Mm-hmm. So and some stools. Yeah. Stool yeah. samples. Stool samples. <laughs> is that episode? <laughs> I don't that's know. Not that's the gonna, is that the, not the title we're going with? I don't think with? we're going to go with. Yeah, okay. it was a working title, but we're not. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to probably go with that. Um, so we're we're going pretty easy on John. Yeah. I mean, for having props. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of time to get other yeah. stuff done now. Yeah. Somebody ordered the alder and it was delivered, and it was all eight quarter alder. Isn't that what you told me to order? I don't know. A lot of people were saying stuff. Right. But it was nice because then I could like resaw it all. And, I'm like, going back book to my text match. right now. Okay. And see. Here we go. Yeah. We're on we're, camera. We're doing this thing. Yes. Yeah. So well, it's it wasn't not about bad. assigning blame. If you're gonna if you're gonna resaw wood, alder, alder is pretty forgiving. Yeah. It went pretty quick, so it wasn't too bad. I'm not I'm not gonna bash you for that. So it turned and it actually turned out fantastic. Yeah. It looks really nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I know it. I feel like we say this all the time because last season we made a couple things out of alder, mm-hmm. but. It's one of my new favorite woods. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my old new favorite wood because mm-hmm. we've been using it for a while and it works. So it works well. really well. If if you don't mind a few knots or if you want to work around, you know, the knots of the rustic alder, it it's really nice to work with. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like pine where you have a lot of knots no, or big no, giant ones. No. They, there's fewer of them. Right. 
It's kind of like a better looking poplar, I'd say. Yeah. It's like the cherry of the poplars. Okay. I was thinking more of like... It's like the Toyota like, Camry of woods. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's reliable. I was thinking it's like got all the great workability of like white pine with the appearance of cherry. Okay. I will have this be noted... He did not say eight quarter. I think I just took a picture, <laughs> of, just the took a picture of the cutting diagram and sent it to said, me. Right. And said like one and a half of this. So yeah. I ordered eight quarter. But you know what? It worked out. It worked out beautifully. So And we have some nice book matched panels yep. somewhere on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Somewhere. They're book matched. So nice. How about you? <sighs> I'm sitting here holding a couple pieces of walnut. Sure. From my side tables. I glued these up probably before Thanksgiving. Came back two weeks later. They've been sitting here on our TV set because we kind of do where woodworking where we can, when we can. Sure. Right? So they were sitting here on the TV set, and I pulled the panels out to start uh, cleaning them up and laying out dovetails. And actually, I just grabbed my shoulder lines on here. And then I realized two of my panels had split right down a glue line. Like, maybe only two inches. And I've had this problem with this particular walnut before. So I don't know if there's a lot of tension built up in the wood. And when I when I cut it, I'm just not letting it rest enough before I glue up the panels. But I feel, I mean, these boards sat in here for a couple days before I even cut them. So they acclimated in here. Um, I don't know if we had a bad bottle of glue. But sure. it, I mean, you know, pass the sticky finger test. Because yeah. I did the, uh, it's, it was high glue. And the tight bond high glue was great. Um, I think just... This this board these boards that I have um, this is a, a walnut log that was cut up in Waterloo Iowa, and I bought from a guy that had sawn it and it's been sitting outside yeah it's been covered but it's been air drying for like thirty years I mean it's been air drying forever, and it just seems to have a lot of tension in it. Mm. It's so, palpable. You can you can feel it. Yeah, you yeah. cut it with a knife. Yes, mm-hmm. but I uh, so I. I was uh, I was sitting here looking at it and like you know what I could probably squeeze some high glue back in that joint, you know squeeze them on there, blow it in with a air compressor, reclamp it. I'm like you know I was just gonna I just cut them apart, start over. Uh, I'm not I mean not starting over, but I ripped them apart. Uh, I'll re-glue them up. The whole thing will become about half inch narrower than it was shallower than it was going to be. Um, but I think it's the best way to tackle it. Yeah, you know just. Get some. I'm gonna use some uh, tight bond two on it. Uh, maybe some tight bond three because it's a little darker. Yeah, you know, might hide the glue line a little bit better. Um, but I'm gonna get these reglued up. Hopefully, uh, probably Monday. I'm gonna try to reglue them. I'm gonna have to clean up all the glue because I have some high glue squeeze out floating around on here. Um, clean it up. See if I can get the panels to clamp flat and you know. You don't want glue joints cracking, so no. Yeah, you had some problems with cupping on one of those two. Yeah, one or... of the panels I did. Yeah, it was. So maybe it was I, the. I think wood. it's just the wood has a lot of tension built up in it, and you know, best practice would dictate that I I, I cut it down to rough size, let it rest, mm-hmm. and then I flatten it. Ain't nobody got time for that right. when you're trying to shoot between TV shows. When you're trying to build stuff between yeah. TV shows, this See, is one I, of those. I'm like, always trying to let it rest. You know, just like, yeah. let's, let, let's sit on that for a while. Just, you know. But yeah, it's it. and it's interesting because this is the same walnut that I used for um, 
the tool the tool cabinet base that I built. Oh yeah, a couple of oh Jesus, probably been a couple of years ago now. Um, and I glued up the panels for the upper side, the the top portion of the case, out of this walnut. And same thing, those cupped really bad. Oh really? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think this walnut just likes to move a lot. Um, I it's haven't had that funny that it's been sitting for so long and, and had been air dried. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's still cupping. Um, I, I haven't had any issues with the the walnut that I have sawn from my property and I air I air dried. I haven't had any problems with that. So uh, you know it's. It's one of those things. It might just be the way this tree grew. It may have grew on a hill a little bit, and one side was stressed mm-hmm. more than the other. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe it's haunted. It might be haunted wood. Yes. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's what I have. Making progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the topic for today, I I'm was struggling to nail it down to like an easy catchphrase to go with it. So okay. there's going to be some backstory here, so you're just going to have to buckle in okay. for that. Uh, it kind of stems a little bit from my own personal experience and from doing some teaching um, for the Des Moines woodworkers and others is when you're getting started in woodworking or you think about the kind of workshop or type of work that you want to do, you get sort of an idea an ideal shop and tools and techniques kind of in your head or you read books and magazines about setting up shop or mm-hmm. different tools and you think this would be perfect. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to do. And then you buy said tool or try certain techniques and then you realize you don't like it and you feel like it's your fault mm-hmm. and that, so what I want to talk about is the idea of how you guys manage disappointment uh, the, in the shop. Disappointment <laughs> or experimentation, let's call it. Okay. You know, because we did a we did a miter saw or a little miter box for the TV show that had the little turntable. Yeah. For it, it was for a uh, a pull saw, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was super cool when we were making it. So I'm like, I'm going to make my own. And I didn't use it all the time. I would use it every day, yeah. you know, kind of a Ronco sort of thing. And I made it and it's still sitting in my shop and I've used it maybe three times. Sure. You know, so I was just wondering if anybody else had that same kind of experience or, and maybe it's just more talking through the idea of as a woodworker, you're going to change that. Yes. So that is, something I can relate to more, I guess more so than building a jig and not necessarily using it. But I started, I started woodworking back in, in high school. Um, and even before then. And when I bought my first house, my wife, when we moved here, uh, I started to get really big into hand tools and I was like, yes, hand tools. I love them. And I still do. But I thought vintage tools were the coolest thing ever. Right. And I, not going to say I had a hoarding complex, but I would not blame somebody <laughs> for saying I had a hoarding complex. So I ended up with a bunch of these uh, vintage hand tools, and I was dead set on these are better than anything I can buy today, and I'm going to use them. And that's true in some regards, mm-hmm. but – and I was I was at a point then that I was very much – as many tools as I get, I don't – you know what? Yeah, it's a clapboard siding gauge – 
I'm never going to install clapboard siding, but I want it because it says Stanley mm-hmm. on it. And it's just silly stuff like that. And then I got to a point where I, like, I kind of, I don't know what changed, but I took a step back. I'm like, I have so many tools. I'm not using them. It was almost over- overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you go in the shop, you're like, there's so much stuff that I just needed to purge. So I did. I did like a great purge on my own tool collection. And in turn, sold all my vintage tools and I bought like four really nice Lee Nielsen planes. And now those are the four hand planes that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, I got back into the hoarding complex a little bit, but. <laughs> relapsed. I relapsed. <laughs> yes, some, some people would call it a relapse. Uh, but yes, woodworkers, I think every woodworker will change at some point, you know, and your workflow changes, the type of work you want to make mm-hmm. changes, stuff like that. And it may, it may be you go through phases, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That um, you experiment with one thing more than the other. Like right now, I'm in the turning thing. I mean, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm in this turning phase. And I noticed, I, so I, I took out a couple stumps a few, well, last summer, so almost a year ago. I did a bunch of green turning then. And then I kind of just was like, all right, that was fun. I'm done with it now. And then I picked up turning again. So mm-hmm. it's like one of those things, it's, it's cyclical. You know, it comes yeah. and goes, ebbs and flows. Um, I guess I've never gotten to a point where there's something that I just completely abandon, you know. Um, but I can, I think everybody goes through a, uh, a journey, mm-hmm. a woodworking journey. I'm getting real deep here. I feel yeah, like I should lean into in. the mic yeah. and talk. But I think there's a, to go along with that though, there's the, one of the knocks against our hobby or craft is that it can be expensive. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're just getting started, you really want to get it right. Yeah. 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 So kind of on that same vein, I guess, of when you're starting out woodworking, uh, when I started out, I thought I'm going to do all kinds of mortise and tenon joinery and, and, you know, that kind of furniture. So I went out and bought a mortising machine and, you know, after a while i kind of ran out of space you have kids and your shop gets smaller and i found that i just didn't use it as much and i found that i could you know make mortises on the drill press or with the router and and Mm -hmm. that kind of and you know other ways of doing things so i i found that i didn't need it anymore and i got rid of it and do things other ways and yeah well you you know it's interesting uh, this is you know it's a friday right now mm-hmm. i get, last night i taught a, a, a seminar or i gave a seminar out at the woodworking store locally and that's one thing i said to a lot of the guys out there is i like stuff in my shop that's multi-purpose mm-hmm. right i mean most of us there's nobody that could say my shop's too big right if somebody says their shop's too big they're a liar mm-hmm. um the there's there's a few things that I think can be single use. It's like kitchen gadgets. I hate single use kitchen gadgets. My wife bought a, she'll never listen to this. So I could say this. She bought a zucchini noodler. I think we used it once Mm -hmm. because you don't want zucchini noodles. You want regular noodles, right? Right. But it's, I mean, in my shop, kind of the same thing. I like stuff to be multi-purpose. Sure. There are, I think a few things that I appreciate having like a mortiser is something that, you don't need it by any means. Mm-hmm. You can make mortises other ways. It's sure nice to have yeah. it if you if you're making all you're doing is making in mortise and yeah. then yeah yeah and that's all that's, it that's all it does mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, like you said, there's other ways to do almost everything. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I think, I think we evolve as woodworkers as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it may be that you start off making dados only on your router table and then you start making my table. So you're like, Oh, I like this better. Mm -hmm. You know, you might feel a different way, but right. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the lesson that I've, I don't know. I feel like I continue to learn about my mm -hmm. own woodworking and giving myself grace. And then in talking about that to other people is, you know, it's okay to, you're not really wasting money necessarily or wasting effort. It's the process of learning about the craft of woodworking yeah. to, to say, you know, like you don't have to try and have the perfect workbench right from the start, mm -hmm. you know, cause I, I think there's this idea, uh, just as an example of workbenches, mm -hmm. you know, that if you're going to get serious about woodworking, you need some holy altar of a workbench. And this is the one that's going to be with you until yeah. you die. And then your kids who take up woodworking will pass on to their mm -hmm. kids and whatever. And, you know, like I did that and made a workbench that I'm really proud of and has worked really well for me for almost 10 years now. And yet I still think like, man, I kind of want yeah. something a little bit different. So then or it's like, why did I put an empty shelf underneath it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that cuts. Yeah. Um, so it's like, so was that workbench a waste of effort then? No. no and I don't think it is. No. no and I, 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 the more you talk about this, the more I, I kind of get what you're saying as far as, you know, you, yeah, everybody has this idea in their head, like, oh, that's what my perfect chop would be. You know, yeah, yeah. I need to buy a bandsaw, I need to buy a drill press, I need to buy a mortising machine. And you might, you might buy all those. And once you do, you realize, I don't really use that that much. Yeah. You know, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're, you're kind of discovering how you do woodworking and what tools you need and how you like to work. Right. So, you know, you I know. think your mortising example is exactly right because I love doing mortise and tenon joinery. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always thought that I've wanted a mortiser. Mm -hmm. And I love using a hollow chisel mortiser. I have the attachment for my drill press, which I like, works really well. But I still think, like, I would really like to have a mortising machine. But then we'll do something like, uh, for Woodworking Essentials, we were looking at a, a, a compact router table. It's over yep. there on the shop mm -hmm. that uses a palm router. And the router can be set up as a horizontal router for doing you know, basically turning it like into a slot mortiser. Yeah, sure. And I did a technique on showing how to set it up and using it. And I did it and it was, yeah. you know, it's like, I would do this all the time. So now it's like, I really want a slot mortiser or I really yeah. want a, a horizontal yeah. router, and it, you know, or yeah. it's, or I really want to do mortises with a plunge router and a guide bushing jig mm -hmm. or just a plunge router and a edge guide mm -hmm. or you know, whatever. And it's, well, and I don't think there's anything wrong with like sw switching how you, you do certain techniques per project. Right. I mean, no, I don't think there is either. I, I think we should healthy. Right. I think there's a balance between like, you should be good enough at a one technique that you feel competent and confident doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. But then I think there's also a, it's also good to have a couple of backup ways of doing it for, whenever you need to switch things up because yeah. of how the project yeah. works. Different applications. Of how you have tools set up, you know, that you might can't use your plunge router to do mortises because it's already set up for something else. And here you need another way mm -hmm. to do it. 
Yeah, and kind of on that uh, unitasker versus multitasker tool, it's like you start to look at your tools as, well, basically they're all just a motor that makes something spin, whether it's a table saw or a drill press or a router. And it's like, how can I use that single motor to do another task? Like, how can I sand on the drill press? Or, um, you know, how can I use the footprint of my table saw as the router table? Or, yeah. you know, use that space yeah. and motor in a different way. And, and we've done a lot of projects like that. Like, you have the, um, the belt sander um, jig for your drill press. Oh, yeah. And I have one, too. And um, I and don't like, have one. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. You should get one. You should, should make one. I should make one. I can get you the plans. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> They're going to cost them. Yeah. No, but yeah. So something like that. Or the compact router table where it's just a little box and it converts, you know, your router in a small space into another tool, yeah. basically. And it's like, you know, how can, I, how can I use that spinning motor in another way? Yeah, which I just... Mean, yeah, that, that's actually a really interesting thought um, because, you know, there's... I know a lot of guys, for a long time... A lot of people didn't have lathes. And a lot of guys were like, I bought a lathe, but I, I don't use it all the time. Right. But like or you said, just, that's, it just sits as a disc sander. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, but your lathe makes a great disc sander. It makes a great spindle sander mm-hmm. if you put a uh, you know, drum on it mm-hmm. or it makes a great buffing wheel. You know, there's there's a lot of different things you can do with your machines that you have. You know, we use, we use our drill press as a drum sander all the time. Mm-hmm. And it works great. Um, right. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different things you can do with the tools in your shop. Um, just learning how to use them, or if you don't have a piece, if you have a piece of machinery and you you don't use it all the time, is there something else you can use in that machine's place? Mm-hmm. And so. what I always tell my wife is like, when I buy a new tool, it's like it's not worthless if I don't want it down the road. It still maintains some value, and I can sell it and to right. somebody yeah. else and exactly. reinvest that money and. It's not just totally throwing that investment away. Yeah, and you know, and that's that's something that I've always, I'm a I'm a um, Craigslist scavenger and mm-hmm. Facebook Marketplace scavenger <laughs> and stuff. So I I I don't think there's very few tools I bought actually new, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't have a reason to. You know, I'm, uh, my my table saw I have right now I paid a couple hundred bucks on Craigslist and I think I can actually sell it for a profit um, in the current marketplace. So that's a that's a fair way I think to try out and test out new machinery. Yeah. You know, if you see a if you see a deal and you think you might use it, mm-hmm. get it used, get it used and try it. See what happens. Yeah. yeah, experiment in your shop. Yeah, and I think it's more a mindset shift of trying to be, and maybe this just goes back to, uh, for me personally anyway, just the, I don't know, frugal nature of, Mm -hmm. you know, upbringing or grandparents and things like that versus looking at it in terms of woodworking is a craft and it's more like lifelong learning. You know, you're going to go through different stages where you're going to try different things and that even though you may not have that tool anymore, you've taken those lessons and applied it and you've moved yourself a couple of notches down the road. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I think I found that in furniture styles too. Like when you're first starting out, it's like shaker arts and crafts. Cause you don't want to deal with angles mm-hmm. and yep. curves and things yep. like that. And then you start finding out, you know, different paths that you can follow for different furniture styles or material choices or, 
Yeah, well, and I think that's that's an interesting way to look at it too. Is I think um, people start, like you said, building one certain type of furniture, one style, I guess, but eventually they find their way into a style that fits them. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then they've made it their own too. Uh, yeah, and they made it their own. So it's kind of an interesting evolution of people in their shop. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the arts and crafts thing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I haven't it's just evolved yet. So that's because you haven't finished evolved, the project. It's right. because <laughs> you haven't finished them yet. Right. I just haven't finished any of the projects. <laughs> that's all right. You have to finish them before you move. Right. No. That's the problem. Yeah. So I don't have to finish all of them. Yeah. <laughs> at once. But you'll level up when you do. Right. So. so. Yeah. Okay. Good talk. Yeah. Experimenting Thanks, in the guys. shop. Feel like we had a lot of therapy today. I feel like it was a therapy <laughs> session. Talked about Logan's hoarding and Craigslist scavenging and mm-hmm. my you know. procrastinating, mm-hmm. so. and my ability to not be able to settle on any particular mm-hmm. tool. It was just a podcast episode of self discovery. Mm-hmm. Self discovery. Yeah. <laughs> Wait to make it sound creepy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for today's episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Once again, you can join us every week. You can find us on all the podcast places, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. YouTube. YouTube, if you want to actually see how the sausage is made. So uh, if you have any comments or suggestions or reactions to today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave your comments uh, wherever you're listening to your podcast. We'd also love for you to rate the show. Um, specifically, we love those five stars. Now, the best part about it is those higher ratings help get this podcast seen by more people. That's kind of how the the game is played. So if you could and you do enjoy the podcast, please give us a good rating and help more woodworkers and more makers find out about this show. So we'll see you again next time. And thanks for joining us. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build, from furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.